Hello and welcome to An Evening with Nirvana. It's a podcast where I'm going to be talking to a series of guests from the Dune community and maybe some people from outside of it about things like level design, map creation, uh, other facets of game development. Today on the show I will be talking to Skillsaw. He's a household name of the Dune community at this point. If you don't know him for Valiant, Vanguard, or Lunatic, then you'll probably know him for Ancient Aliens or Heartland. He's also part of the team that brought you back to Saturn X 1 and 2. He's a man of many talents and a mapper for many Doom ports. Skillsaw, how are you doing today? I am doing pretty pretty great. Um, thanks for having me here, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to talking with you tonight. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it a lot too. I got some good questions, I think. But uh, we'll start. Hopefully, with... nothing too challenging. No, no hard balls. But um, okay. Uh, I will be throwing you the most prosaic one to begin with, uh, as I do with everybody. How were you introduced sure. to Doom? Yeah, yeah. There's nothing too, um, you know, it's not too entertaining of a story. Um, like a lot of, like a lot of people who were um, kids and you know the early '90s, I was into video games and. When Doom came out, it was, you know, the latest and greatest, and obviously I was interested in it. Um, mm-hmm. At some point, I remember my dad brought it home from uh, the office. Someone, you know, had given him a shareware copy of Knee Deep in the Dead, and, like, you know, me and, and my sisters and my brother all were, you know, pretty much fighting over the computer to play it. So it was uh, obviously a big hit, and you know, we all got really into it. Um. Before long, I had bought the Doom 2 on disc, um, and after that, I started getting into, like, shovelware compilations, because this was mm-hmm. still in the days before, you know, a household internet was super common. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I got D-Zone, and then oh, yeah. after that, um, I ended up buying a, a book called 3D Game Alchemy for Doom, um, which had a disc that included um you know a bunch of wads but also all kinds of editors and resources and Mm. stuff um and then the book itself was essentially a textbook um for for doom mapping so that was it was pretty great yeah it was like seven or eight hundred pages long it was very dense and it's like yeah i feel like like you just don't get stuff like that anymore Right. Well, I mean, there's no need for it today because you can just go on the Doom Wiki or you can look at YouTube yeah, for YouTube, tutorials yeah, and stuff. But like back in the day, like if you wanted to learn a new skill, I mean, that was one of the ways you could do it. I mean, the other way is like you could, you know, take lessons. But obviously, <laughs> for Doom mapping, there was no such thing. So, <laughs> um, a book it was. John Romero. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think it's um, pretty common that people. Um got into like the shovelware and stuff because i think for a lot of us it was just like we were just looking for more content to play once you'd sort of played a hundred times through the i was yeah for sure and like um i mean it just kind of opened up a whole new world to me and kind of you know made me want to see what i could do you know in terms of uh creating my own content and uh Mm -hmm. yeah that that was kind of the how I got into Doom, how I got into the you know the base game, and then how I kind of moved on from just being um, you know a player to actually editing and kind of making my own stuff. Yeah, what was the first editor you ended up using? Do you remember? So, <laughs> I remember uh, 
the very first editor I used was Doomcad, which oh, was yeah. horrible. That's what I was, was hoping terrible. to hear, because I wanted to talk about how horrible <laughs> it was. It's something I like reveling in. Okay, so I will admit that I only used it to create a single level, so okay. I don't remember it all that well. I, I even recognized how bad it was back in the day. So, <laughs> Okay. That's all I have. Um, oh, oh no. At least it ran on Windows, though, so... That's true. <laughs> um, I ended up moving on to Wad Author, and that's what I used for, like, pretty much all of my mapping during the 90s, so... Uh-huh. Well, it, it, Wather was kind of unstable, but at least it was a little more featured and had a nicer interface and wasn't quite as much of a pain to work with um, mm-hmm. as Doomcad. But yeah, yeah, I mean, unsta- Doomcad was very unstable in terms of it would crash during saving, crash if you deleted lines. It just loved crashing. Really, it was not. Yeah. It was not great. Um, so uh, your first project and i think the doom wiki is actually correct this time because it's been wrong a few times about people's sort of first things but sector 666 although it says demon 666 on the title screen i think so i wasn't 100 percent sure on the uh, exact title but that's the first word uh, attributed to you this was all the way back in 1998 um yeah um so the doom wiki is mostly correct um i did actually release a wad before this but um it was called eight levels and it was only uploaded to aol's servers so it never made it to the archives and it's kind of like lost to lost to time unfortunately but um yeah sector 666 is my oldest like surviving work so (laughs) i would say the doom wiki is as accurate there uh I did actually play it. I, well, I didn't play. Oh, no. I didn't play through the entire thing, but I played. I jumped around in a couple of levels, um, and you know, it has a lot of the tropes of the classic '90s. What it's got the Duke sure. 3D textures, some custom sounds. I personally really liked the uh, GoldenEye rocket launcher replacement sound. That was great. <laughs> oh yeah, that there's a there's a Quake Two. Uh, I think super shotgun sound for the pistol for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I think people like to replace the pistol sound because it it affected the way the chain gun sounded. So That's you, true. Yeah. yeah, I think that was a common one. Um, yeah, I will say though, I thought the level design was not bad in terms of like the first couple of levels. Really, they still like drive the player forward. There's like good momentum and pacing to them. I thought which. Uh, and I mean, even the level of detail is like pretty decent uh, for like 1998, one of your first things, especially if you were using Ward Author. So I honestly didn't oh. think it was um, it was too bad. I, I was just wondering. I suppose, <laughs> do you remember any other process of making that that wood? And uh, could you talk about that? Uh, you know, it's hard to remember the actual specifics of of like sitting there and working with Watt Author, other than just the constant frustration and you know, <laughs> the general headaches of like um, of mapping in the '90s. Like, like for instance, um, I think one thing we really take for granted today is just like being able to use 3D mode. Oh um, yeah. Way back then, like you know, Watt Author had no 3D mode, so if I wanted to align a texture or whatever. Or let's say I wanted to check texture alignment and see how it all looked, I would have to start the game. But mm-hmm. on an old 
you know, 486 computer, it might take two or three minutes just to start the game and look at it. <laughs> yeah. So it was this enormous headache. You don't have this instantaneous feedback like you oh. do in Tomb Builder. And, um, you know, just, just wrap your head around that and think about like some of the, like, like more ambitious things, like more ambitious than Sector 666 from the 90s, like mm-hmm. Eternal Doom or something like that. And it's just like, yeah. you know, my mind is kind of blown, like how many hours they must have spent, like just grinding at that in frustration. Um, well, yeah, I don't know about Wadotha, but uh, Doomcad used to, you used to have like a visual representation of the node building process and saving, mm-hmm. if you made a reasonably large map, it could take on our 486 anyway it would take like an hour to save a map oh my gosh sometimes yeah, okay they were really large yeah yeah i i guess that's why the maps in sector 666 were pretty small <laughs> in retrospect <laughs> yeah. that must be the reason yeah um but yeah it's hard to talk too much about that wad because so much of it was um so long ago but i do remember one other thing about it which was um, you know, I was active on like, you know, this is the early days of the internet. So I was active on America online, um, chatting with other people who were also editing doom and, um, me and another guy both had this ambition and I don't even know why this was our ambition, but we both wanted to get into team TNT mm-hmm. and we were both making wads that we were going to use, um, as our application for team TNT. Yeah. Um, because that was part of the application process. You have to send them a sample of your work and they would review it. And I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, like, I, I I don't know where I was really going with that, but that was just kind of one of the big reasons for making it. Well, I mean, having listened to the Doom Radio interview, I do know that you actually got into Team TNT with with that map application so i did so so they must have agreed with you and thought it wasn't too bad but um i'm not really sure i agree with 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 you guys so (laughs) it had the uh, the duke 3d uh vending machines in it how could you go wrong oh yeah yeah the vending machines you know uh the phone booths were in there too and uh i had to bring those into heartland because you know i love those. oh wow what a throwback yeah you just had those (laughs) texts just sitting in your hard drive still from money yep yep i didn't bring the vending machines though like they're a little hard to fit in they are an awkward size actually i think memory yeah they're 128 pixels tall which is big for a vending uh, machine yeah bigger than a cyber demon for anyone who doesn't know (laughs) yes yes um so aeternum which was a lot later in 2007 uh it's obviously a much more polished wad um and in the in the doom radio interview i thought it was interesting because you said it was basically based on alien vendetta uh and i i guess like playing at the third map of that wad is basically it feels like an early slaughter map and mm-hmm. map 11 of sector 666 was also uh, back in 1998, that would have been a pretty challenging map that sort of opens where you get, you know, BFG and everything, and there's like a decent mm-hmm. amount of mid-tier monsters there. I was just wondering if you, um, as someone who personally sort of makes more challenging content, if you were interested in the early slaughter scene back then, and that was sort of a big impetus for making those maps. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really so sure. Um, 
for me, it was it was really just Alien Vendetta. Um, mm -hmm. I I was kind of inactive after Sector Sector Six Hundred Sixty Six for like, um, you know, nine years, and I missed things like um, like Hell Revealed and um, Deus Vault and a lot of that other early Kama Sutra, a lot of the other early Slaughter stuff that was going on at the time. Mm -hmm. So um, for me, playing Alien Vendetta was like. It was to me um, the one that introduced me to this whole idea that Doom's combat could be, you know, challenging and complex due to like orchestrating um, unique combinations of monsters and requiring the player to do, you know, stuff that at least to me seemed advanced at the time, like, you know, hurting monsters around or causing infighting or things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so to me, uh, I found that so novel when I played Alien Vendetta um, that I, I was just inspired to kind of make my own thing and try to, to learn lessons from it. Um, and I'm not sure Eternum was entirely successful, but I feel like um, it was it, it, the combat in it was definitely more sophisticated and more slaughter-influenced than the things I had I had obviously done in in the '90s, so um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I <laughs> through the lens of Alien Vendetta, I, I I would agree. Yeah, I've definitely been inspired by like the the slaughter scene, but it's it it, it was limited to that at least at this point. Minimally, in time. yeah. Um, yeah. I, I suppose I was wondering to tack onto that. Uh, how do sure. you think like your approach to difficulty and encounter design has sort of evolved over the years? Uh, as opposed to maybe just being based on Alien Vendetta in those, in those early years and Eric Elm sort of stuff. Oh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of how it's really evolved. Um, I think, um, a big part of it for me has been kind of like expanding and this moves well past Eternum, but it's it's sure. moved into things like expanding the the roster of monsters so I can create encounters that are dynamic mm -hmm. in different ways than are possible with the base game. Um, additionally, I would say I, I probably do more um, like laying out of terrain on the map with the intent of, you know, in, in with, you know, pre-knowledge of how I'm going to use that terrain to build, um, you know, a set piece encounter or something. Oh, yeah. Um, wh whereas back in the day, it was like, oh, I built this thing. Now, how do I make a cool little slaughter encounter in this thing I built? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I guess th those are kind of some of the things that have changed in my approach or, you know, that's not 100% consistent. Sometimes I, you know, I, I go both ways. Sometimes I work with the default IWAD monsters only. So you know, try different things. <laughs> See what sure, works. Yeah. I think that is like a bit of a natural evolution for people uh, when mm -hmm. I talk to them is that uh, like originally you build your map first and then thing placement all happens at the end in a big lump and you're kind of just trying to fit monsters in to what you've built. And then mm -hmm. as you progress, you tend to like have maybe a bit more of a concept of like I want to have like a couple of manks in this and maybe a vial here. And so you're integrating pillars for the vial and maybe some elevation and stuff for the manks. And so that 
the map kind of naturally flows from like the concept of monster placement right and and oftentimes you'll find at least you know i'm i often find my find myself just building something kind of reflexively and it's like oh this is obviously a setup for for you know an arachnatron because i have this giant Mm -hmm. long line of sight (laughs) so um it just kind of happens that way and and i then once i realize that i end up building the rest of the terrain around oh i see this this great perch for arachnatrons yeah sure the rest of the bat builds around it yeah yeah absolutely um I, i'm wondering what your early sort of gaming influences were that you were drawing from out, outside of doom at the time oh yeah yeah okay so i you know i my first video game console was an nes and then i also had a super nintendo so um i grew up playing like um my favorites were like Mega Man, mm-hmm. uh the beat-em-ups like ninja turtles and stuff um oh, punch out um so anything bright colorful upbeats with catchy mm-hmm. music is kind of like right up my alley <laughs> so i think um that's one thing that i like absolutely ride to bring into all of my wads uh yeah i want this like these vibrant settings with music that feels like that not necessarily 16-bit era throwback but it feels like maybe it could fit in a 16-bit game um yeah Mega Man is really probably my favorite game growing up so mm-hmm. um like there's a lot of 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 influence of like that kind of colorful aesthetic, that heavy theming in each level, um, super catchy music is what I want. So, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of what you said there is stuff I will come back to with sort of questions that I have later <laughs> on. <clears throat> okay. It's interesting that you sort of touched on a lot of those points. <clears throat> um, <laughs> uh, I was also curious because. I suppose maybe more so in your very early work, but there's certainly a feeling of sort of TNT in some of your gameplay in terms of um, hit scan usage and the way the levels sort of progress in terms of like pushing the player forward. Uh, you have Plutonia's sort of difficulty and Revenant usage quite a lot as well. Uh, I was curious which I would sort of was your your biggest influence. Um, so generally I, uh, this is probably the weird answer, but I generally think it's Doom 2.wad, um, mm-hmm. which, um, mainly, and I, I think I also kind of take the unpopular opinion here of, um, uh, my favorite iWad map designer is, uh, actually Sandy Peterson. <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> which I, I don't think a lot of people would associate with me, but, no, I don't think um, so. I, I I mean I don't like the way his maps look. I'll just say that like uh-huh. straight out. His maps are ugly. But um <laughs> but I like the way they force you to explore. Uh-huh. And that's not something that is 100% consistent in my maps, but I do like I like weapon hunts. And weapon mm-hmm. hunts are definitely a thing that I incorporate a lot, particularly in like my, my work post like Vanguard and later. Yep. And a big part of that was kind of doing a pistol start playthrough of Doom 2.wad for the first time and realizing just how fun Sandy Peterson's maps are when you start with nothing. Right. Um, 
now obviously i i take other influences too and i want to make things a little bit more like modern and you know stylized but and you know less ugly <laughs> but um <laughs> you know sandy peterson maps and doom 2 are are the maps I like to th I like the most in the iWads, and I like to think I bring their influence in, even though I'm obviously blending with other things. Mm -hmm. Well, once again, you've touched on some things that I will probably come back to <laughs> later. Uh, okay. <laughs> um. So, going back to sort of your early mapping, uh, in 2008 you worked on Z Pack, and then in 2010 you worked on Stronghold. Uh, on the mm -hmm. edge of chaos, which was sort of invasion maps for Skull Tag back in the day. Um, I suppose I was wondering what made you want to make that transition to a new port and and making some like more advanced port maps. Um, you know, at the time, so this was two thousand eight, two thousand ten. Yeah. Um, two thousand eight. I um, you know, I think I think someone like Tormentor probably just invited me to work on ZPack and I was just like some returning guy to the community and didn't know anyone. I was like, oh yeah, okay, I'll I'll help you map. Um just because it was sounded fun to do. I hadn't worked on a project like that. Um I, so I ended up making a couple of maps for that. Um and then I think I just kind of carried on that relationship with Stronghold. I, I don't really think there was anything particularly appealing to me about mm -hmm. doing an advanced port map. It was just that you know, he's the one who reached out to me first. <laughs> right. Sure. So, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. It's, uh, well, I guess it's interesting because then you had Hanging Gardens, which I think, I think you said in that Doom Radio interview was going to be part of mm. like a much larger project. Uh, so it That's did. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I guess I kind of forgot about that. But yeah. Yeah. Hanging Gardens, there were, um, Boy, I think there were three or four other GZ Doom maps I did um, along with that. That was going to be um, kind of a solo episode for GZ Doom, and that was just kind of like a natural extension of like, oh, I'm I've I've been working with Z Doom, I might as well just keep doing it. Sure. Um, but yeah, one of those maps ended up getting converted to a Vanguard map. I think it's the the Crate Maze map, Catastrophe, I think it's called. Oh. <laughs> and. Um, the other two maps were really, really bad, and they're they're languishing on my hard drive. They've never seen they've never seen the light of day because they are absolutely disastrous. Oh, but, us too. Um, Just saying. Oh yeah, maybe I have some scraps here and there. I could I could do it. <laughs> That's good. You had it here first. Saw us too coming out almost immediately. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, well, I suppose with Hanging Gardens, like, immediately after doing those other GC Doom projects, it looked like you were sort of on a trajectory to keep mapping for that port, but then, uh, I think later in the same year that you released Hanging Gardens, Vanguard came out, uh, followed by Lunatic, so I was wondering what the impetus was for making Vanguard and, and coming back to Boom. Yeah, um, it's kind of hard to... Well, I think ultimately what the reason what the reasoning came down to is um, I, I don't know if you were in the community at the time Stronghold released. Were you around then? Uh, I would have been very adjacent to the community. Like I think I popped into Doomworld, but I, I didn't actually sort of partake. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There was um 
there was a lot of drama around that release. So I, as like a supporting member of that team, kind of felt pretty negatively about just where I was in in the community and where I was working, Mm -hmm. um, you know, alongside um, that team. And I kind of decided that I was going to just go back to the drawing board and kind of restart. And I had recently played through Scythe 2 and Speed of Doom and was like pretty much um, in awe of like what Eric Alm and Joshi and Dark Wave had been able to accomplish with yeah. their maps and those sets. And I, I loved how they played. I loved how they looked. Um, I loved so many of the tropes that they brought with them, like the death exit episodes and, and yeah. the episodic theming and um, the idea um, in Speed of Doom where they would make each map as a semi-speed map, like it would take a week. Not, you know, They wouldn't make it in a single session. They would give themselves a week to make a map. Um, and to me, like this... Like I kind of fused all those principles together, and I was like, "What? What can I do with all of that?" And hmm. um, and what ended up happening is I made made Vanguard, which um, which was supposed to be a megawad. Um, uh-huh. ended up only being twelve maps because I just like making a megawad is like the yeah, dumbest yeah. thing you could do. <laughs> I've heard that story many times. <laughs> it was meant to yeah. be a megawad, but right. I made four maps. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if theoretically, you know, if enough people just pool their almost megawatts together, like That's things true. would get done, and we'd have more megawatts. But you know, um, anyway, yeah, it just turned into Vanguard, and uh, like I was so like surprised and taken aback because I released it with no fanfare, and like it just kind of like exploded in mm-hmm. in, in popularity, and like I I couldn't believe it, um, but it felt like you know I had made the right decisions with what i was doing i had found the right influences that were allowing me to make maps that i thought were fun for me to play and fun for me to make and manageable for me to make yeah but um you know also something that other people could enjoy um so like it really felt like i just kind of like you know i threw the dice and i just you know, I, I came up with a with a win <laughs> and I just felt like I won like the jackpot, you know. It was it was it was pretty great. Yeah, well I mean you said manageable to make and I think like I don't think people really realize how important that is when you're making something mm. creative. It's like a lot of the time that's that ends up being reflected in the maps too. If you're making something that's a big drain on you, then a lot of the time the work ends up suffering anyway, so I think Vanguard is mm-hmm. probably a lot better for not being a mega ward in terms of, you know, the, mm-hmm. the maps that came out. Yeah, yeah, there's even even in retrospect, like what's it, eleven years later, there's not a lot in there that I I would say I dislike. I don't think everything's perfect, but mm-hmm. I, I would say I like most of the maps in it, which is I, I guess I feel pretty good about saying that. Yeah. Um, um well I would say Vanguard is probably still my favorite release of yours. Oh, um, that's that's cool. And what's interesting is that a lot of Slaughter people, challenge mappers that I sort of talk to, have the same opinion that Vanguard is their favorite uh, of your wards. Uh, I wonder, mm. I guess hearing you talk now, uh, you talk about that Scythe 2 
heavy influence on it. And I wonder now if maybe that's sort of what people in that community are feeling uh, when they play that ward. Uh, I guess I was wondering if you had any insight on what, what uh, people might be... Uh, like what fans of that genre might why they might enjoy Vanguard the most. Yeah, um well I think Vanguard definitely leans into the slaughter tendencies. Mm-hmm. I, I more than anything else that I've made. Um and I don't know why. Um it, it may be that it was just because I made it so you know with with Scythe Two and Speed of Doom like so recently in my mind. Um and I think one thing that gets kind of like maybe lost a little bit about Vanguard is that it was meant to be a megawad, you know, which means that like the escalation that you get in this 12 level episode uh, was supposed to be spread over 32 maps. Like that sure. orange hell was supposed to be the end and the the gray bases were supposed to be, you know, 10 to 20. Maybe that like more rapid escalation has Ooh. to do with the like the appeal that more challenge oriented mappers find in Vanguard as opposed to my later stuff. Mm-hmm. That um, is yeah, that's really interesting actually. That that could well be it. Yeah. Yeah, and and then on on top of that I just had less less of a filter about just being an asshole and putting a thousand monsters <laughs> on a map. So so that might be part of it too. <laughs> well, it's interesting because um I played a couple of your like more speed mappy things for little community projects. I sort of jumped around and played some of that stuff. And there's quite a lot of like it does feel like when you're unfiltered, you tend to lean towards slaughter maps because uh, the couple that I played were like pretty heavy-handed in terms of monster placement and stuff. Yeah, you know that 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 wouldn't surprise me. Um, I generally have to tune maps down more than I have to tune them up when mm-hmm. I when I'm building. So if I'm making something quickly, it's probably too hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> right. So yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so jumping to Lunatic now, uh, I would probably argue that Lunatic is sort of the more the blueprint for your following wads in terms of like the the fast paced kind of eyes forward gameplay that you're known for. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And also, there's custom content in there. I think there are a couple of custom monsters, lots of custom textures, and a very unique like theme and setting. Uh, right. So, I suppose in terms of the gameplay strictly, is keeping the player moving something that you think a lot about when you're mapping? Uh, yes. Um, typically, when I'm placing monsters, I'm trying to think about, like... Like... <sighs> Well, well, I guess there's two phases, too, even before I'm putting monsters in the map. When I build the map itself, um, I'm constantly asking myself, um, I'm loading up in the game, and I'm saying, does this feel good to move through? Yeah. And if it doesn't feel good to move through, I, like, I change things. Like, I, I make things wider, narrower, whatever they need to be to make it feel like traversal has... And it's It's impossible to, like, really explain what i mean though because it really is just a feeling yeah, um sure. but yeah i'm constantly asking myself do i feel good moving through this map and if i don't i make changes and then once i start placing monsters i, I i'm kind of cognizant of like how the map feels to move through so i then start saying like well what would i do if I ran into a mancubus around this corner would i yeah. turn around would i try to run past him 
-hmm. where you know if i put a shotgun in in line of sight here will i see it so i know to run in that direction so it's kind of like a combination of like understanding how or understanding and trying to predict how a player will uh, move and trying to improve that through like telegraphing stuff like obviously like if you go this route you get the armor if you go that route you get the cyber demon and if you go this yeah. other route you get the shotgun so you you want to get the stuff before you fight the cyber demon you know yeah yeah well, i think yeah. what maybe a lot of like brand new mappers don't realize is how much time a lot of sort of more veteran mappers spend just like it, like you go in and you look at one part of your map from like or one part of a room from like 10 different angles and then see can the player see this will they move this way like you're trying to intuit what a player is going to do and and so much mm -hmm. of that sort of ends up leading into design decisions down the line right yeah uh um, i guess like also talking about that momentum and you touched on this already which was very interesting but I guess the Sandy Peterson thing was what informed the sort of hot starts at the beginning of your maps that you like, where you're yeah, running yeah. around searching for weapons. Um, are you are you sort of conscious of like, okay, I've already got like five or six maps that have a hot start. I need to maybe make this one <laughs> a bit different. Like, do you have pacing decisions with um, the way a map begins a lot of the time? Um, I. I do, um, but like I, it's sort of limited. Like I have, I generally just build maps and then kind of combine them in later in the order I feel makes the most sense. Um, so right. if I end up with a bunch of hot starts in a row, it may mean that I just happen to make by coincidence too many hot starts in that episode, and I'm kind of like, well, you know, players gonna have to deal with it. Sure. Um, <laughs> Uh, but as I'm constructing the episodes, yeah, I try to, you know, put a, a hot start here, a more adventure crawly map here, you know, okay. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, I suppose also with Lunatic, I mentioned like a unique setting being a big part of your words, and that's sort <clears> of <throat> evident in Ancient Aliens, Valiant, all of them, really. Uh, is this... Uh, is this a huge thing for you in terms of like, do you need a unique palette or theme to get like excited about a project initially? Um, yes, <laughs> uh, unambiguously, yes. Uh, mm -hmm. I like honestly, it's the first thing I do every time I try to start a, a right. project. I, I kind of spend time, um, whether it's the palette and like ancient aliens or it's the the moon setting with the idea of having the the arcade music and the hard um contrasty lighting it's like i got to come up with a few things that kind of make it like its own thing um otherwise i just can't like motivate myself to even really do anything for it um and once i get that idea and start getting the resources assembled then i can actually start coming up with maps but until i do that i'm just like like i don't even care <laughs> as yeah. it is right now like i'm like i'm i've been spending time prototyping like another setting um for a, a current project and it's just like kind of going but i'm not like super happy with it so i'm still mm -hmm. putzing around with like the textures and trying to get the right 
things and you know it, it's it feels like the most like it, it takes forever for me to get it right sometimes and it feels like um you know i'm just waiting for that damned break because i really want to just like actually build stuff but i just my like until i get the like episodic theme established i just can't i just can't do it <laughs> yeah i i think it's definitely become more and more part of my process too in terms of um these days i tend to just like i have to like whip some sort of palette up or like have a specific texture pack in mind or or, or even mm -hmm. um even like a collection of midi like i will find like a sort of theme of midis that i want to use and then battle inform design or something but there has to be something thematic kind of tying things together otherwise it's really difficult to get going yeah yeah for sure i'm the same way Mm -hmm. um so i suppose like when i think about your your style in terms of uh like your detailing and mapping it's usually really visually striking but it doesn't necessarily use like a lot of lines like you're not a line def heavy mapper you know, to my mind mm -hmm. uh is that something very deliberate do you aim for a minimalistic approach because you want to sort of highlight things more simply or is that just sort of a natural way that you've ended up mapping it's it's kind of a combination of things i think i think earlier we talked about um just making mapping manageable and yeah. um being you know i don't, I don't want to say minimalistic because i'm not minimalistic but like having a, sure. a a simpler uh construction style like i do tends to make things manageable if i you know, it lets me make a lot of maps quickly, and it lets me revise maps if I need to without too much grief. Mm -hmm. um, I think another thing that kind of contributed to this is just um, working on a bunch of maps for Back to Saturn X. Um, yeah, that's my were... next question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're leading me on to that. All right. But yeah, with Back to Saturn X, it was like, um, you know we're we're trying to make maps that look as good as we can but we can only use 128 vis planes and we can only use 256 segs so we have to do um everything we can to make them look good with as simple as construction as possible that involves you know things like um just having good contrasty sets of textures um good color usage not a lot of lines and um mm -hmm. And and you know interesting shapes, interesting lighting over you know um, sector detail or things like that, and and working on that um, those back to Saturn X maps I did in you know 2011, 2012, 2013 uh, ended up kind of uh, informing the style that I I have kind of made more. Um, Minimal. Again, I hesitate to use the word minimalistic, yeah. but more of that simple construction, <laughs> right? <laughs> and that like streamlined construction that I sure. use. It's clean, clean is the, yeah, yeah, the yeah, word yeah. I normally use myself. Uh -huh. um, that clean construction that I have kind of made my style in Valiant and uh, Ancient Aliens, and uh -huh. and I, I would argue Heartland as well, even though it's um, it's clean yeah. in a different way. I think it's clean in terms of um, texture theming and and things like that maybe obviously it's a bit busier with line count because there's a lot of eternity uh right well, stuff going on with portals and stacking lines and stuff but um right yeah uh yeah. so 
just to touch back on BTSX, uh, you went from, you know, vanilla originally, then you go to Z-Doom, then boom, and then I'm curious what made you want to jump in and uh, do a vanilla project. Was it sort of a deliberate, like, oh, this might be a challenge, or was this just, this person asked me to map, and it sounds pretty cool? Um, yeah, you know, I think Essel, um, Essel Fortium demonstrated the textures to me, or shared them with me, and, like, I was, like, really enthusiastic to work with them, because, like, like she does really great texture work. Oh, yeah. um, so I, w- I was kind of excited, like, immediately. Um, I don't even know if she told me it was vanilla, um, like initially. Right. Um, I, you it ended up just it, right, yeah. I I don't even remember, but um, whether or not it was vanilla wasn't even really a factor. It was just like, well, I want to work with these textures, and I know like a lot of other mappers uh, are are working on this. We're gonna have like a great team. It's gonna be super exciting, and um, you know, uh. I, I was obviously happy to to do work for it because like I did end up making like I don't know five maps, six maps for it, something like that. So um so yeah, that was that was an awesome experience. And uh um with BTSX E three on the on the distant horizon I have I have more of that in my future. So Yeah. Oh it's interesting <laughs> so, to hear how it informed your your latest stuff, even though fairly different project. Uh but um yeah yeah i mean if you can make something look good in vanilla you can make it look good in in boom the same way and you have the freedom to maybe make it a little bit bigger or maybe throw in a few more a few more uh trees and vines and stuff to kind of give it a little more spice or grass in my case yeah um, oh i love the mid-text grass vanguard was the inspiration for i mean i ended <laughs> up using a decent amount of it in a fractured world okay yeah cool yeah i, I love every time i see uh mid-text grass like i like i instantly love the wad so <laughs> well there you go um <laughs> yeah so i guess so it sounds like you didn't really find it to be too much of a struggle working within the vanilla limits but uh well, i imagine that would have been some painful moments oh yeah yeah like um there were definitely painful moments like um oh. like um i guess like kind of skirted over that but like i had maps where like you know two years after i made the map like you know do or Essel would ping me and be like hey skills uh we found a bunch of epos in your map yeah <laughs> and i'd be like oh great and i'd fix them and then you know a few months would go by and they'd find some in another map and you know um that was a uh, kind of a running thing with like so many of us on the team like we yeah. Like I, I I gave my best effort. I tested everything in Joker render limits. Um I I you know, I tried so hard, but vanilla limits are really tight mm-hmm. and we were pushing right up against them and inevitably like I think all of us I think everyone on the team introduced like VPOs and and yeah. some Medusa, seg overflows maybe. and such. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. We all we all ended up having some like critical bugs and maps we ended up releasing. So you know, it's what it is. Well, I mean, you talked about um, mapping back in the '90s being a challenge because of the editors, but also you know all we had was vanilla. So you were mapping, <laughs> and not only right. were you mapping in an editor, where you had no visual mode. You were typing every sort of height manually, uh, and then mm. you had to test everything 
uh, in vanilla and then, you know, you build something slightly too big or there's too much, too many lines on screen and all of a sudden um, it's completely crashing. Yeah, like business plane overflow. What, like, what does that even mean, right? Well, that yeah, that was my cool. reaction in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh. And then you have to go and like look up some like guy who's written like a four hundred page text document online. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the classic experience. Uh, I will say though, uh, you talked about like if you can make something look good in vanilla, you can make it look good in Boom. And I think it's why a lot of people will tell. Uh, people just starting out mapping you know start in vanilla or start in boom and then work your way into like maybe doing something in udmf later because working within those limitations really helps you understand kind of like the foundational stuff for mapping and then you know you can go crazy with slopes and whatever the hell later on Mm -hmm. yeah yeah like i generally think that's the way to go too um i would say limit removing or boom would be the way to start i would stay away from vanilla but um you know if you're if you're starting out um learn the fundamentals learn how to make nice layouts learn how to do nice clean material texturing learn how to you know do all that kind of fundamental stuff um and then you can carry that over to udmf that said like if 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 the reason you're mapping is because you want to make like big 3d um you know bridge burner style maps mm-hmm. like seriously just 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 do umf and and yeah. you'll you'll learn like you can learn either way but like if if that's your sole reason to map that just start there and, and you'll be fine yeah i mean definitely no strict kind of rule set but uh well you know yeah. map for quake <laughs> or that yeah that, that might be the better idea <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh so you worked on i mean you, you've done a lot of community projects over the years and uh, you know things like btsx where you're part of a team and even in what a lot of people may sort of have the misconception they're sort of just standalone products projects like ancient aliens and stuff uh there's a lot of collaboration there uh is that collaborative process important to you when you when you map these days um collaboration is is weird to me um uh in both cases, it's like Ancient Aliens and, and Heartland, which are kind of the the, the collaboration-driven projects that I started um, on my like wiki page. There, um, yeah, I I, I kind of just worked by myself under the assumption that I would be making this project by myself, and as I shared stuff about it with um, people on you know pretty much within our like BTSX discussion channel, um, yeah. you can. I see the overlap between the people on all the projects. Um, like, you know, uh, Essel and Stewboy and and Zazer and others do, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Everyone like mm-hmm. just kind of was like, oh, this looks cool. I want to help. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that sounds great. And, um, you know, no surprise at all that like their contributions end up being like awesome. And like Stewboy's soundtracks end up being a lot like I I almost feel like it's the defining thing like mm. even more so than the palette about like Ancient Aliens aesthetic is yeah. is the music and like um you know it just amazes me that like something that I started was able to generate like uh, excitement 
that you know that resulted in so much contribution and it's like like i get a little tear in my eye just thinking about it it's, <laughs> it was so cool <laughs> so, well when i got to ancient aliens i was going to ask you about stew boy but i guess i'll ask now um sort of how uh, did that uh team up sort of end up happening in the first place and, and what's that been like i guess yeah so um you know stew boy as i said he was on the back to saturn x team right he he did I don't know, four or five minis for that. Mm -hmm. um, and so he was in the channel and, you know, I'm just like sharing screenshots, you know, it's 2015 and I'm just like sharing screenshots of ancient aliens maps as I make them. I'm like, Hey, does this look cool? Uh, and like, Dubois was one of the, one, the, the first people to volunteer. He's like, Hey, um, I'd like to map for this. And I'm like, yeah, of course. I, I love your maps. He has an awesome map in, um, 32 and 2414 that I just love. I I forget what slot it's in because I'm horrible at remembering that, mm -hmm. but um it's an absolutely great map. Uh and like his his ancient aliens map is actually pretty similar to it although it's less mean. Um <laughs> unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. <laughs> um but uh yeah, he ended up joining as a mapper and when he got the resource, um he kind of noticed Hey, uh, skill thought. I noticed that like seventy-five percent of the midis you're using are are things that I wrote. Maybe I could could just do the full soundtrack. That would be be awesome for me. I've always wanted to do a full megawatt soundtrack, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's let's do it. And um, he ended up just kind of like going through the maps like one by one and writing like bespoke music for them, and um, some of that music man it's like it's crazy how well it fits yeah i think i think the one in particular that i think just like i cannot even imagine it on any other map is uh the music for it's the midi is called trapeze and it's for map 18 illuminati revealed which is the illuminati pyramid oh yeah icon of thin spawner map and like the music just feels like i i don't know like it's it's like like i don't synergy is like a corporate nonsense buzzword but it is like real synergy there like the, the music and the map just the aesthetic just works perfectly together and i'm just like blown away by 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 what he did there so um yeah like that was just <laughs> that, that was just like a continuous experience for me like uh with ancient aliens it's just like wow i cannot believe what stew boy is doing here i i and and not just stew boy was also like you know Castman made a map that ended up being like um you know aesthetically it's it's like it's absolutely iconic it's probably the most instantly recognizable map in the set um it, it's just so cool to see people like jumping for the chance to contribute and and to do that um again like a little tear in my eye every time i think about it so awesome yeah i experience. mean i've definitely had that experience of uh you know, you're just discussing something and then someone's like, oh, well, how about I help you, like, do that? Like, I don't know, like, Rubik's had a couple of midis lying around that he touched up and, and they ended up in Fractured Worlds and stuff and he was very, like, magnanimous and helping with a lot of things of that project. Mm -hmm. And uh, I feel like the Doom community is, like, there's just a lot of people who will do a lot of amazing things for free. <laughs> which is what's sort of so great about it 
Yeah, I wonder if that's kind of rooted in the Duke community being like a community from like the 90s when the internet was so different and people weren't, uh-huh. um, you know, just, you know, trying to monetize their hobbies. And content, it was just about, content, like, content. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And also uh, maybe rooted slightly in the fact that, you know, uh, Doom became open source and everything and the whole community that, sort of birthed from that. That's true too, yeah. Uh, so coming back uh, from Ancient Aliens back to Valiant, uh, it's sort of heralded as the favorite one of a lot of Doom community members uh, for good reason. Um, so you said Vanguard was meant to be a megawatt originally. What made you want to actually come back and do a completed megawatt with with Valiant? Yeah, um, you know it, it's it, it's when you when you make something and you get the the level of validation that I got um, from the community after making Vanguard. It was like, um, you know, I I you know gave me a second win to try it again, um, mm-hmm. and I, I kept the same kind of restrictions um in place that i did with vanguard so it was again this idea of having themed episodes where i could kind of like crank out levels fairly quickly um because i kind of knew what their aesthetic would be and also um you know i give myself um like a one week time limit for each map which i think like 90 percent of the maps ended up beating so um so things like that kind of kind of made it possible for me to it made it attainable for me to do it. Um, and yeah, it really was just a result of um, kind of getting so much, um, so much like positive feedback. So, so much like outpouring of people who really enjoyed Vanguard, who really enjoyed Lunatic. And it was like, I guess um, I can, I can find the energy to do this. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it had been, you know, the idea of making a megawatt had been sort of like a, I don't know, like a bucket list kind of item for me. So, you know, I was, I, I, I was willing to give it another shot. <laughs> mm-hmm. And overall, did you, how were you feeling about the project by the end of it? Did you, was it like quite draining to make that many maps or did you find that, uh, because of the way you'd sort of segmented things and made it more manageable for yourself, that it actually was, was like an okay time frame to make that much stuff? Um, you know, it, it ended up taking three years, and I think I, there are definitely maps where I was just like, I can't look at this anymore, I'm, yeah. I'm getting sick of it. But um, I think overall, I felt I felt positively more often than I felt negatively, so I was able to get through it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think those slumps will hit anyone over, a, you know, the idea of making a megawatt is... is I mean, it's an, it's uh, just an overwhelming amount of work, and I think it you're is. gonna you're gonna run out of steam at points. So, um, I definitely had those feelings, but somehow I pulled through. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, so, I feel like, at least in your later stuff, maybe actually from Lunatic onwards, you uh, you generally have a few custom monsters uh, in the ward, and. I wonder if this is, well, A, I wonder if this is, like, in the Doom Radio interview, you mentioned you really liked sort of the decorate uh, monsters back in the day and putting them everywhere. So I wondered if that sort of (laughs) came from sort of uh, playing around with decorate along the past. Um, And uh, how important do you think, 
having these custom monsters in is for you in terms of constructing a theme and and uh, wanting to work on something. Oh, honestly, for me, it's it's non-negotiable. Like any project I do is going to have custom monsters, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> which is fairly which, unique, I think. It, yeah, maybe. I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, I guess I can't off the top of my head name any other other mappers who would feel that way but um i i mean i i feel like uh that there's spice um you know it's a tool we have you know why not why not use it um there's there's thousands and thousands of doom levels that just use the base monsters you can throw a couple new ones in and make some things that are a little bit new or a little bit different or a little bit unexpected and it's Again, it's spice, it's flavor. Mm -hmm. um, and you don't have to. Sorry, you go. I was going to say, they don't have to be like the cornerstone of your design. They can just be, you know, a little bonus, a little flavor. They can be a, a, a boss that shows up once. You know, it doesn't have to. You don't have to try to redefine the game. Uh, it's just like for me, this little bit of extra flavor goes such a long way. And I, I really appreciate it when I play uh wads that have kind of like a um that uh, just just tasteful use of custom monsters or even just a complete something like tph is just like a complete revamp of everything tph being tarnsman's projectile hell oh right yeah um, so so yeah I, I love that stuff <laughs> when you're sort of trying to build like a new roster for a project like ancient aliens has a couple of extra sort of monsters in there uh are you so the, is the impetus usually like, oh, I have this idea for this type of encounter and it would require something that does this? Or is it more, this would fit well into the Doom sandbox? Or, like, what are you looking for, I guess? Yeah, it's it's more the latter. Um, it's like, I, I think there are kind of, in my opinion, if you look at Doom's roster, there are, there are two big gaps um, mm -hmm. that I tried to, I didn't in Lunatic, but I try to always address these two things. And one is um, the weak flyer monster. You have the lost soul, but it's very limited. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I have the Arachnorb or the Alien Guardian, depending on, or the um, the Grell, depending on which wad you're yeah. looking at. And then uh, the other big weakness that I see of the Doom roster is I don't feel like there is a good um, glass cannon monster that fires projectiles. So, um, right. uh, in Ancient Aliens, it's the, the stealth plasma alien, and in, um, like, uh, Vanguard, or sorry, Valiant, it's the, uh, just the upgraded imp, and in, uh, uh, well, drawing a blank, Heartland, it would be, I don't know, the, um, rocket launcher zombie. So, mm -hmm. um... For me, like just having those tools is pretty important. Um, when you when I think about like Valiant, I have supplemented it even further with um, things that were maybe a bit more niche. Like I have the um, the Super Mancubus, which is just basically there for infighting scenarios, right. um, or the um, obviously the final boss, which is literally just there to be kind of a cool. Map thirty instead of uh, an uh, icon of the vial, right? The, the right, vial, right. Yeah. I, I remember being very surprised actually when I got to that map and and there was a, like a boss boss. Yeah, you know. yeah. 
I, I'm sure I've seen it in some other wads where they have like a dehacked or you know prior to Valiant, but I, I off the top of my head I can't think of think of that. Yeah, there, I mean that definitely would have been some. I, I yeah. What's interesting, I guess, in your in both sector six six six, and I think a turn two, there's an icon of sin to end oh, the yeah. wad. Um, and it, there's a the pyramid map in Ancient Aliens uses the icon. Do you or do you have any right. particular feelings about the icon of sin? It's sort of much maligned, but you seem to maybe take a <laughs> bit more of a positive approach to it. Well, I mean, you know, I don't know. I, I think I'm just trying to rehabilitate it for some reason. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I don't particularly like it much. It. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I, I mean, I honestly don't particularly like it that much either, but like, there, there's only so many, like, you know, I've made so many maps and there's only so many tools to play with. So like, I got to try Maybe I'll make a good one. <laughs> I, I like Illuminati Revealed. I think that's a good one. I think it worked well in that map in terms of the fact that it wasn't... It was more used for its ability to pressure the player than to have the annoying mechanic where you have to go up a right, lift and fire rockets yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um. So, Ancient Aliens. Uh, it came out uh, the year after Valiant, I think, which is insane. Um, yeah. And it has this really great storyline running throughout <laughs> it about that ridiculous History Channel show of the same name. Uh, was, right. You, I mean, you talk about the palette and certain thematic elements being the impetus. Was the story there initially, or, or did that come like after the fact? Well, it, no, the story was just kind of written like as I thought of ideas for it. Like, I would like. And and I can't take all the credit. Turnsman and Do helped with it, so like, mm-hmm. um, but like, um, yeah. I just kind of um, one day I had the idea. Oh, you know what? This ancient aliens watch should end with like a scenario where it's like it was all a conspiracy all along. So so I ended up what I ended up doing is like once I came with that idea is I purged like all of the UAC textures from the wad. I'm like no one can use any texture that says UAC on it because it's being saved from half 29 for the big reveal. And um <laughs> well, you know it, this rich law. Yes, exactly. Like you got to maintain the the in-world storytelling. It's very important. Um and then other things like um like the the conceit of like the wad being like a drug trip. Right. Um like like initially my first draft of the map, um and this is where Tarnsman came in. The the first draft of the map you actually started teleporting in, like you were in that wolf howling tunnel. Oh um, yeah. Teleporting and getting thrown into the cyber beam and, and like Tarnsman played it and he was like, you know, really? You should have to smoke like a peyote pipe to to do this, and then like the next day, I said, "Tarnsman, check out the map." I did it, <laughs> and like, yeah, yeah, that was all his idea, and um, bringing it back there at the end, um, after kind of the scientist reveal and all that was kind of like my own spin on 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 that. Like now, the whole thing comes full full circle. It's a drug trip, and none of this really happened, right? Or did it because the scientists or show did up. it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Um, Basically, the whole history channel show in a nutshell. Or did it exactly? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, it's it's silly, obviously, but uh, people don't really bother with story at all in Doom, and I do think that it helps that Wad have like a personality and a character, an identity. To it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And actually, this kind of like brings me to something else. Like, um, this is a totally well, it's a loosely related point, mm-hmm. but for me, um, I the my my one of my biggest struggles with mapping is that with each episode because i do these you know death exit episodes in my megawads with each episode i have to make um an intro map and i have to make a closing map and those intro maps and those closing maps have to be you know they have to have the right tone and pace and feel for those slots so it's i find those maps to be like the most important in any given episode and they're uh and I have to spend a lot of time kind of thinking and planning, like, what do I want this to be? For Ancient Aliens, map 29, which was, you know, because map 30 is a credits map, um, map 29 is the last map of the final episode. I was like, what am I going to do to make this map unique? And it was like, I've done Icon of Sin maps before. I've done big circle arenas in, in Lunatic. Mm-hmm. I've done um, a custom boss in Valiant. Like, what am I going to do this time? And I was like, what if I, instead of making it a boss, I make it like a story reveal? And that's why people will remember the end of Ancient Aliens. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like where that all, that all kind of grew out of. It's like I had to like play up the story way more because I had this idea that in order to make this closing map memorable for the final episode, it was going to be that story. So I had to try to exaggerate those elements elsewhere and make it more in your face and more obvious and um and yeah yeah i guess i guess i guess that's the point that i was trying to get to yeah well yeah i think i think all of that stuff is a bit more important than people give it credit for um i suppose like i learned it from other avenues and stuff and and a bit from your words too but uh that idea of having an opening and a closing map and there's something about when you play a word where you can tell the author is like thought about everything like they they want to keep a consistent tone throughout so these opening and closing maps stop you from like leading back into doom 2 or or whatever uh the i think that like all these little details are what really sort of makes a word stand out from other words overall yeah and these are like these are like big choices they're more like they're like big like directorial choices that kind of bring the thing together they're not (laughs) the small choices you make when you're looking at the map editor they're kind of you got to take a step back and like think about the work as a whole and like how you're going to unify it yeah i don't know that intermission screen and the midi you want for the intermission and you know the title screen and that midi and and all of these sorts of extraneous things that you don't really think about when you first start mapping Mm -hmm. but when you make a big project that has like a thematic element to it all of that stuff has to kind of tie together otherwise uh it's very obvious yeah yeah (laughs) yeah i definitely you know i think um i think kind of the the other what I think of when um, you talk about these types of big directorial choices, themes, bringing everything together, mm-hmm. having a story and and um, that kind of cohesion, the why that jumps out at me is always going down. Um, right, yeah. 
And Going Down came out in 2014, if I remember correctly. And Sounds it was true. definitely like the the Going Down was a huge influence for me on on Ancient Aliens. Not really in the like level design department mm-hmm. um, or like the looks or anything like that. Just in the ideas, like I was when I played it, I remember more than anything else. I was just impressed by like the the unifying vision behind it, and yeah. like that's something that I like. I was like, okay, this is something that I have to learn from, and this is something that I have to kind of like bring into my own work now, because like this is so cool, and this makes the wad this elevates the wad, right? It just makes it so much yeah, exactly. more than just it's it's more than just doom maps now. Now it's yeah, it's like, not just like a collection of maps. Now it's right. got this cohesive thing going on in the background. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I to this day I, you know, I can't think of something that has you know in the doom community and as far as doom projects go that's really like wowed me like in terms of it like the vision behind it as much as going down like it is really one of my favorite wads ever but i guess that's an aside <laughs> well what's interesting about that wad too is nobody really does detailing like moldy in that in that wad it's like right all that micro detailing and stuff but you know kept within that cohesive theme and and the story is built through the detailing like i talked to mega for that episode will come out next i talked to mega blast and we talked about okay. how games like dark souls and stuff do storytelling through level design where mm-hmm. they're not force feeding you sort of story elements through dialogue and stuff but you see the story unfolding as you play and going down does that really well where you see visually the place sort of coming apart the further down you go and and stuff and no one right. really like, has captured that. Hey, uh, I just want to say, like, going down is like a literal descent into madness. <laughs> it's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Not to mention that insane level where I think is it like an, meant to be an office building or something, and then as all of those like hundreds of moving sectors that sort of reconstruct the map into different mm. forms, and yeah, very cool wood. Yeah, yeah, the one I'm thinking of in particular is like the one, and I, I can't remember. Again, I cannot remember level names or numbers. Me neither. But it's the the one with um, you you land you you get out of the elevator and you just see like elevators everywhere in all directions, yeah. and then that map kind of deconstructs. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that is the map. Actually, I think okay. I maybe got it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I mean, I can't even remember my own map numbers. I will be like, it's the map that has the <laughs> thing in it because I think right. that's how I. <laughs> I think that's kind of how I design stuff a lot of the time, like around central like focal points, and then that's how I remember my own maps. And but yeah. yeah, I'm I'm pretty bad at me- remembering my own map numbers too, because what I do when I make a project is the first map I make is map one dot wad, the second is map two dot wad, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> I think and then right before the I release it, right before I release it, I reorder it all. <laughs> and then when someone tells me something's wrong with map one, I have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> Mine was even worse because I'm pretty sure uh, I had them with a sort of similar <laughs> naming structure of like map one, map two. But at one point, I moved one of them to become <laughs> map two, and then from that point on, map one was always labeled as map two. So oh, <laughs> it was yeah. just completely wrong from the outset. Yeah, yeah, I would not last long in that situation. I yeah. would be too confused. 
Um, so you, you did sort of touch on the palette briefly with Ancient Aliens, but I was wondering, like, I've looked at that palette in, in Slade and, and messed around with textures trying to sort of see how that palette was constructed, because, I mean, if you haven't ever worked with Doom's palette, then you probably don't know, but, um, certain ranges in Doom are a lot better than other ranges in terms of, like, how many different colours within, like, how many different greens you get is a lot better than how many different purples you have to work with, for instance, but... Ancient Aliens actually reconstructs the entire palette of Doom, which must have been an insane amount of work, because what you do when you reconstruct that entire palette the way Ancient Aliens does is that you break every single vanilla Doom texture, essentially. Like, they will just look hideous. Um, so I was just curious, uh, did you work on that palette, or was that someone else, and sort of what went into constructing that palette? Yeah, so um, for any any listeners who have loaded up ancient aliens with a gameplay mod and found that all the sprites in the gameplay mod were broken. Mm -hmm. Um, what Nirvana just explained is, is, is why. And, um, yeah, I, I ended up doing that work. Um, it was kind of inspired by the, um, the back to Saturn X palette, because if you've looked at that one, mm -hmm. you see that it also, um, does a lot of rearranging, not quite to the same extent, but um, it was sort of a, oh, this is the thing I can play with, and and kind of like I was talking about dehacked earlier. I was like, oh, this is another tool I have to play with, so I got to start messing around with it. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I ended up kind of just uh, shuffling things around, kind of basically by looking for redundant ranges or, or not ranges redundant colors within ranges or things that looked close enough that i could probably safely axe them mm. um and that did that did take quite a while um yeah i can imagine. but it, it, obviously it was the the very very first thing i did with ancient aliens um because all of the custom assets had to be kind of palletized uh, into that custom uh, palette, and everything had to look good together. So, um, yeah, yeah. It. I, I want to say that it, uh, I highly recommend doing this kind of palette work because it can make your wad look awesome. But mm -hmm. I also want to say that it is like just a gigantic amount of work, and it you will like. It, it, over the course of a year uh, working on Ancient Aliens, there were so many times where I had to like reimport tons and tons of assets, oh, yeah. and uh, yeah, it, it was like I, I make a subtle change to the palette, and then all of a sudden I'm reimporting everything and trying okay. to round all round it all up again. Yeah, so it's like try your best. I, if I have to give a piece of advice, it's like try your best to get it as close to set in stone as you can before you um, go too far, because like. It is a gigantic pain to make changes to it after the fact. Uh, you'll also run into like problems that you didn't really think about, like uh, in Fractured Worlds when I did the palette for that, I changed the green range to cyan for it, and uh, what you find out very quickly about Doom is that when they design textures and all the weapons and <laughs> even some HUD elements, I think, they put a lot of random dark green pixels in, 
Uh, yeah. Which meant that for Fractured Worlds, I basically had to go through every texture and convert uh, a whole bunch of them, like specifically any metal textures, anything from CC4 that's metal or any of those, they all had mm -hmm. to be converted to uh, change those dark green pixels to gray or something. And just like endless like time spent finding these little random green pixels. Um, and yeah, then, and they... Yeah. And and like those pixels and stuff, they'll just show up like like months after the fact. You'll, be, you'll just see one. You'll be like, "How did I miss this?" They're always <laughs> twice as bright as the original. <laughs> yeah. God, uh, but uh, and I ran into another problem which I didn't even know about. But um, Rubix was testing a map, and he was like, "Oh, like your your dark range is like not dark enough here." Like I think my because. It might just be a boom-specific thing, maybe specifically with software rendering, actually, at least where it shows up the worst, but, um, there's, like, another set of ranges where, like, you need a dark enough, like, if you say, because I changed the greens, I needed them to go down to a dark enough level where shadows in boom would show up as the correct color, but instead it was bleeding into my blues, so I was ending up with, like, a very bright, or, like, fairly bright blues coming in when it, like the renderer was trying to render shadowing so <laughs> i mean i had no idea how to fix this rubik's ended up helping me with it but like oh, okay i suppose it sounds like yeah it sounds like probably a color map issue where was, like yeah. the because slade will automatically generate a color map and it'll do like a a nearest match on your existing palette but sometimes the nearest match is blue and not green sure. um just because it's at that right level of darkness uh for um that grade of of lighting in the color map and like you get weird results like that so that was one of those things i had to do too is like manually um touching up the color map and in, in uh an image editor and getting it to look right and you know testing it in, in the game and just making sure it didn't look too bad because you can see some weird stuff if you screw that up like you can start seeing things start to glow in the dark and mm -hmm. like again yeah like as i said like it's a nice tool to have in your toolbox and like i want to play with it but um it it can introduce a ton of work well yeah i think the solution there for me was uh or for rubik's rather who actually fixed it but um the basically ended up like if you look at that palette the the white indices that aren't used got converted into much darker cyan so that the color map would naturally select those instead of the darker blues and that sort of fixed the problem but oh okay but i suppose um the point of all of this rambling was just that the the palette for ancient aliens is like incredibly well put together in terms of <laughs> what it manages to do with uh with the doom palette yeah i felt like pretty um pretty lucky that i was able to squeeze so much out of it because like a lot of times with a palette you'll notice that like it's not adding stuff it's just like oh now my greens are teal or my blues are purple now or whatever yeah that's i mean that's um, what i did with, yeah with, with ancient aliens i was like actually able to like keep uh sort of keep most of the stuff mm -hmm. some of it is a bit different but like i still have all the reds i still have green i still have blue i still have you know and now i also have purple and teal and magenta right sure so so yeah i mean that was that was just really like lucky that it ended up working out so well it was definitely an experiment
Yeah, well, I mean, big part of the theme of that word, for sure. Um, so, with music, uh, I suppose you sort of do it a bit, like from what you talked about with Shoe Boy, you sort of do the process a bit backwards to a lot of people. Uh, like, a lot of mappers will find a MIDI to begin with, and then that helps inform the process of making the map. Sometimes they'll listen to the MIDI while making the map, things like that. But with you, it sounds like you build the maps and then Shoe Boy comes in at the end. Uh, and puts music to your work, which uh, is like an interesting way to work with music, I think, for Doom. Yeah, for Ancient Aliens and Heartlands, um, Stu Boy would come in after the fact and and actually just score, um, you know, bespoke music for the maps. So mm-hmm. it was like his idea of, you know, I would give him like, maybe I would have a placeholder MIDI or something and I would say, and and I would say something like, oh, I'm looking for something energetic or upbeat, or I'm looking for something moody or, you know, whatever, I'm something epic. Um, and then I let his imagination kind of run wild and he would kind of do with that whatever he wanted. Um, because, you know, obviously he's the, he's the musical genius. I'm just, I'm just some guy. Um, <laughs> well, so, uh, so yeah, I was, I was happy that he would do that. Um, and, um, yeah, as I said earlier, just like thrilled like with with what he came up with. With my older projects though, like before I started working with Stu Boy, I was kind of I don't know, I was in maybe more of a between camp. I was um there were there were definitely cases where I picked a MIDI and then made a map. I think kind of the most obvious example is uh the final countdown yeah. map for Lunatic. Is <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that just um, in Lunatic? I thought there was a final countdown in Yeah, yeah, it's a secret area in Valiant. Rocket yeah. Zone 2, which I think is 27, um, if I remember correctly. Well, someone will know better than you which map number. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although, you know, that, no, that wouldn't would have been, that, that was, I think, the last map I did. So that would have been, like, map 40 or something. Like, that map 40.1. <laughs> <laughs> um, because of all the sawdust. Uh, uh, right, of course. Maps. So, um, yeah, but for, for other maps, like, I would... Uh, like during Vanguard and, and Lunatic and Valiant, I would just like throw a placeholder MIDI on the map and I'd be like, does this work? And I'd leave it on there for a few hours or a, a day. And then I'd be like, this doesn't work. And I'd pick another one. And eventually I'd find one that was like, this is just right. Or this is good enough in some cases. Um, but yeah, I, I, I typically don't listen to MIDI music while I'm actually working. I, I tend to put on um, uh, either uh, I'm a Chicago Cubs fan, so my my Cubs games, or I'm a Bucks fan, so Bucks mm-hmm. games if they're playing, or uh, or just podcasts or whatever. So right, yeah, yeah. I yeah. tend to listen to music or podcasts or something too. Um, cool. so for Imperator, which is Map Thirty Two of Eternity, uh, which you uh, which you made, um. It has like a pretty unique tone for the wad, and it uses, I want to say like some of the more underutilized textures in her text, at least in that combination. Was it kind of your goal to make something that stood out a lot for that thirty-two slot? Um, well, Dragonfly, uh, man, yeah, Dragonfly had had told me that I was I had a secret map slot, so I was like, well, that's nice because uh, I don't have to like. St- like study one of the existing themes and try to adhere to it. I can just mm-hmm. kind of like do whatever I want. Get weird. Um, 
Yeah, I, I ultimately I didn't get that weird. I just was like, well, I want to make like a desert fortress. So that's what I made. I made like a desert demonic fortress with golden, golden liquid everywhere. And um, yeah, I mean, that was that's a map that I actually a lot of people seem to like it, which kind of surprised me a bit because um, I don't think it's a bad map or anything. But um, I really like, uh, you know, I when I worked on that, I was like procrastinating like horribly like i felt super bad because like mm-hmm. it was like two weeks from the deadline and dragonfly was like hey still saw you know you you said you're gonna make a secret map you, have you started it yet and i'm just sitting there like you know i haven't and <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i i ended up cranking through it like really quick because i was i didn't want to hold anything up because like i didn't want to be that guy and yeah well... i i got I got it done. <laughs> it ended up okay. <laughs> People seem to like it more than I do, which I, I guess is cool. Well, it's it's interesting you say that you made it quickly and maybe Hawkins back to something we talked about earlier with your like speed mapping stuff. But I was gonna say it mm-hmm. feels like uh, a it feels a little bit more challenging than than your stuff. It's got that like hot start skill saw. You got to move forward or die kind of feeling to it, but maybe a little bit amped up. And I wonder if that maybe is that you built it very quickly and it has that like I'm building alien vendetta and making it a bit harder yeah. <laughs> kind of element. To yeah. It. <laughs> yeah, maybe it does. Like I uh I think one thing that kind of characterizes the opening to that map at least is like you have to crawl up like a super not super narrow, but a fairly narrow walkway and there's lots of annoying monsters sniping at you and stuff. So mm. that's that's always like a a difficult setup in Doom um when you're playing. And maybe it starts the map off on a tone that makes it feel harder than it really is. Although mm. there are a couple of things later on that are nasty too. <laughs> yeah, so I would maybe, say a lot of your stuff is characterized by. I mean, I don't think this is an influence of yours. It may be, I don't know, but Skepland kind of has that feeling of this feels in like that takes it to the next level i suppose where the beginning feels sort of insurmountable where you need to get a real foothold but then once you have that foothold things kind of calm down and that's sort of the pacing i feel for a lot of your maps where explosive beginning and then you get this foothold and then gradually it's like okay things have calmed down a little bit and now i can kind of deal with this encounter or this or start making decisions yeah i think that shines through more in like vanguard than anything else um i'm Mm. I'm, at least i'm thinking of like map five of vanguard map 10 which are um forgotten village i think and superstructure so the two of the more slaughtery maps slaughter sandbox maps but yeah um with regards to skepland uh i've heard so much about it but i i've never played it so i don't know it's not influenced but yeah, and it's supposed to be like what three maps, four maps? It's very three, short, yeah, right? Three, I think. Three. But they are they're difficult. It's like right. Plutonia on crack, kind of <laughs> like. <laughs> but what's impressive about it is, um, uh, you know, he'll make a fight and it's like three monsters, and it's the most challenging fight you've ever experienced. Like his use, of, like the amount he gets out of each individual monster in that mm-hmm. one is, is extremely impressive. And I, like, I think it's notable for that reason. And maybe something that like people should play if they're 
looking for inspiration in that kind of combat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've heard the same thing about like another series of laws I haven't played, but like the the chord series of laws from the nineties. Oh yeah, no, I never even heard of it actually. Um, yeah, chord like with a ch was like a guitar yeah. chord. Um, but yeah, I haven't uh, I haven't played those either. Well, now's the time. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so moving on to Heartland, which is your most recent release, uh, you moved over to eternity for it uh one of the big sort of defining features of it uh what made you want to jump ports again to eternity this time um the funny thing about it is that for me it's not really a jump (laughs) because i've I've been using eternity as my daily driver like for years and years so um it it was less uh, i would say it was maybe less eternity and more just that i I really wanted to make um, an advanced port wad, and just being in my situation where, like, I I use Eternity every day already. I I talk with the um, with Alt Azimuth, you know, often, um, and he's he's like the more active Eternity dev currently. So it's like it just made sense for me to work with it, <laughs> even right. though, like, I know. Um, uh had i had i made heartland for gz doom like it would have had a better audience or like a bigger audience um mm-hmm. and you know i would have had access to some other cool features that maybe eternity didn't have but ultimately it's just like uh it just felt like it made sense for me to use eternity as my target for an advanced port wad and on top of that it's just like um the the linked portals in Eternity are, and I know GZ mm-hmm. Doom supports like some kind of linked portals as well. I I'm less knowledgeable about how they work there and if they're as flexible, but like linked portals in Eternity are like the the coolest mapping feature ever, and they completely change the way you think about everything. Mm-hmm. So, as someone who's been mapping, you know, like you, we've gone through my Doom Wiki page. I've been mapping on and off since the late 90s it was like awesome to, to to do something that like challenged like the very like 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 even the more basic ways i thought about like how to build layouts and how yeah, to sure. so like it was really cool to do um, for me yeah i think you udmf does i think i don't know now specifically but i think eternity's portals are maybe a little more stable but udmf can do it can do mm-hmm. vertical portals and like horizontal. So you can do like line portals and sector portals. So you can go like okay. vertically through a portal and then fall down into a room, or you can, you know, right, uh, right, yeah, walk through one and come into a different space. I think. Which I don't know if does Eternity just do sort of horizontally planed ones, or, or how do they function? Yeah, uh, Eternity supports um, planar portals, which lets you stack sectors vertically. Mm-hmm. Um, it lets it does line portals, which again lets you move from uh, one line duff to another line duff, yeah. and then it also supports another type called edge portals, which are um, kind of harder to explain. But essentially, what they let you do is they let you put a portal on the. I, I guess the simplest way to understand it is they let you put a portal on the upper or lower uh, portion sure. of a line duff. So you can fake three yeah. D kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So you can like um, throw in like a three D floor esque structure really quickly with an edge portal, um, yeah. whereas your more structural stuff is going to be with the 
the stacked um, sector uh, floor and ceiling portals, planar mm-hmm. portals. Um, yeah. So I guess when you were designing the WOD, what were your main sort of goals for it? Were you trying to like extol the <clears throat> virtues of eternity or was it more just like enabling ideas that you already had? Um, a uh, little, uh, little column A, little column B, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to, you know, I, Eternity has so many cool features and it's been so neglected by mappers. I wanted people to know what it could do and I, um, I wanted to evangelize it a little bit, sure. Um, but then, like, as I said before, like it just let me do things that I had never been able to do before and forced me to think about things in different ways. And like, that's what I wanted uh, out of a, out of a project, you know, at the time that I started Heartland and I guess eternity was just the, the, the way to enable all of that for me. Sure. Uh, it is yeah. interesting. Like a lot of mapping is, comes down to what port you, you play in the most i think because i mean the reason i don't like i love udmf i think udmf is a really cool format does a lot of really interesting stuff but i like i'm not as much of a fan of gz doom as a port in terms of how it feels when you play like it doesn't feel like doom to me Mm -hmm. i guess so that's why i tend to build boom stuff for the most part uh and it sounds like for you it was more about well i'm playing in eternity all the time and this is how i like the game and and then it does all this extra stuff, so it just made sense. Right, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, more than anything else, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I guess when, when I think about, like, a skill saw word, that's more so these days, I suppose, than, like, your very early stuff, obviously, but um, I think of, like, they're sort of, like, the AAA release for the Doom community. <laughs> they're, like, you know when you play a skill saw word, you're going to get, like a, like, a polished product when you play it, and I suppose I wonder if there's like a bit of pressure to stay within certain lines <laughs> when you design your stuff uh, in order to sort of maximize their appeal, I guess. Um, boy, that's a that's a chestnut. <laughs> Is this a hardball? Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, okay, so I will say. Um, as far as staying between lines, I think we just kind of talked about eternity, right? And I think for most people, that was just like out of left field. And yeah, I think that, yeah, I, definitely. I, I, de- I deliberately, like, maybe not deliberately, but I knew that I was, you know, giving up audience, that I was, like, making it less, you know, quote-unquote AAA or whatever yeah. by um, by doing something that was, like, kind of out of left field like that. And, like... I was completely fine doing that um, okay, yeah. because because like um, I think you're 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 right. Like there is, um, you know, I, I feel a lot more pressure uh, from this like mapping hobby than I feel like I should. Mm-hmm. And having some and just doing something that is like, I know that less people are going to play this. I know that less people are going to be critical of it because they're just not even going to bother opening it um like was like it it felt good to do um like i'm not gonna gonna lie like i needed something a little lower in um profile right sure yeah um it's it's weird like because i don't want to come across um 
as if I'm complaining because I recognize that I am like super, super fortunate to have um, the audience that I have with my wads. Like I know so many mappers want to be in that position, mm-hmm. but I th- this is a hobby, and like I do feel pressured sometimes to kind of like always, uh, like always bring my best and um, not release shit maps, <laughs> not do shit posts, uh, and kind of just um, be, you know, and tr- try to do, um, and try to always bring my A game. And like, um, it does mean that I've like canned things that I want to do um, mm-hmm. just because like, I know people would call me lazy and for, for kind of delivering something that wasn't up to their, what they expected from me. Like one yeah. one example, um, I've always wanted to do, and this is dumb. Like no one wants this. I've <laughs> but I've always wanted to do an episode one replacement in the style of Knee Deep in the Dead, and I've just never done it <laughs> because I know doesn't. if 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 I released it, um, I would get a bunch of comments like, you know, from from people I don't even know about like how this is lazy without really considering that I just like want to, it's just something that I want to do. Right. So there's pressure and I need to learn to just kind of let go of it and just do what I want. Um, and I think eternity or working with eternity was part of that. And, um, you know, I've been mapping for so long and like, if someone, if someone wants a triple a skill saw release, like, again, those are your words. (laughs) If someone wants a triple A skill saw release, they can they can play Valiant, they can play Ancient Aliens. Um, maybe one day there will be another. But like, I'm also cool just keeping things, um, keeping things a little lower profile for a bit because it's it, again, yeah, pressure is the right word. Yeah, I think <laughs> between... it's not something. Sorry, you go. And, and, yeah, I was gonna say, and that kind of pressure is pressure and stress is just not something I can 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 always deal with in like a like a hobby like this you know yeah exactly um right. i was just gonna say between triple a and minimalist i've thrown out a couple too many buzzwords i think <laughs> we had synergy yeah. at one point right know, yeah buzzword. yeah um yeah i think i mean i definitely understand what you're talking about and i suppose i put that question to you because for me <laughs> recently i've been thinking like I've talked to a couple of people about potentially just like releasing some maps under like a pseudonym on Doomworld so that I don't have my name attached to them and then I mean I can see like A you see like different reactions to your stuff because your name is in there and and also there's no pressure to do like anything in particular yeah that's a good idea I should I should totally do that <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I think so now now every new mapper is gonna be like, "Oh, is this the <laughs> is this skill alias?" This time we get something no. obvious, like <laughs> skill uh, pow- skill hammer. power tool enthusiast. <laughs> yeah, I think that might be skill so It's got like a stew boy thing. He didn't change his name. It's got his right, soundtrack right. attached. Uh, okay, well, I think we might know. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think haste was that for me. Like we kind of just threw stuff together super quickly, and that was really enjoyable because I I think I made those while I was sort of trying to polish up Fresh Worlds, and I just threw like these really quick maps with like basically vanilla textures down, and and it is really fun to just sometimes make stuff uh completely at, like aside from what you're working on currently. Yeah, like I th- I feel like sometimes like I just need to do some like 
dumb speed maps or something. And yeah. I suppose there's plenty of avenues to join that and not like feel any pressure or any any um well, you know, any regret for doing some crappy map, but uh for some reason I just haven't been uh been joining those speed mapping sessions. I used to do like thirty two and twenty fours and uh mm. um you know uh whatever it was called, Tango T V is what we used to call it. Um, oh yeah. And a few others, so um abyssal speed mapping sessions too. I, I did a couple yes, of those. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean I I think you do see that naturally. Like if you look at a wiki page for someone who's been around for a long time as they release their own bigger stuff, you see them take part in less and less community projects. And and I wonder if that kind of pressure of like, oh, well, if I release something, it's got to be up to the standard of what I last released. Uh, you know, you, once you get yeah. a bit of a profile or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So it ends up being, um, you know, difficult to, to commit to things. Um, and that's just on top of like just the natural course of life, just getting older and having work crap to do oh, yeah, yeah absolutely that happens to all the of boring us boring so. stuff yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> um i saw because dario casali recently came back and he's been recording some doom stuff and he played through valiant uh and there was like a little doom thread about it and i saw that he mentioned to you like i guess he was questioning why you never got into level design and you talked about how um I can't remember exactly your comment, but just that it didn't really seem like it was for you or it was too high pressure or, or something, like you didn't want to turn a hobby into work, perhaps. Um, I was just wondering, like, have you gone through those motions in your head of, like, what if I wanted to get into game design and, like, learning, like, another engine, or has any of that been something you've considered at any point? Um, like, sometimes, yeah. Um, as far as like, hmm. so I, I like professionally, I am a software developer, mm -hmm. so I've dabbled in things like, um, unity and, and other various game engines that are out there, mm -hmm. um, just to see what they're like, because it would be cool to kind of make my own little dumb indie game. Again, it'd be another way to kind of just like blow off steam and not really feel any pressure. Yeah. Um, but it's not something I've really delved into too deeply. So, um, you know, uh, definitely something I want to explore, but as far as like working, like in a game studio or whatever, like doing it as a career, like in the corporate world, I, I just don't think I could do it. Right. Yeah. Being beholden um, to someone else's kind of creative or not yeah. even someone else, but <laughs> some company. Right. Some right, that right. doesn't exist. It's all just like designed by committee and yeah. Uh, so, because I suppose I asked the question because definitely, even I mean, you'll probably think it's a bit of a jerk, but even in that sector six sixty six map, there's clearly an understanding of game design in it. Like you know how to push the player forward and direct them a little bit, even in that early ward, and then obviously your latest stuff. Uh, you definitely have always just had like a knack for understanding that, so uh, I suppose that was sort of why I um I was yeah. wondering. Yeah, and like the situations where it would be cool to do that kind of work would be like the situations that you know resulted in in Doom in the first place, like that kind of like small independent team. Yeah. Um, but like I I'm at a point in my life where taking that kind of risk to kind of 
you know, stop my career to do that would be very difficult. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it is so much we're... a time, question of time and, and energy right. and all that stuff, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw that you're actually credited uh, for helping out with MBF21, uh, which is, if people don't know, it's a new comp level for Doom. Uh, I think it's, is it strictly for DSDA at this point, I think? So, I believe it is... It's it's definitely fully supported in Woof, and oh, I believe yeah. support is complete in. Don't quote me on this, but I believe support is complete in Eternity and GZ Doom now. Oh, okay. Um, there may be some there may be some lingering issues, but like it is a pretty viable standard to use. Um, and you know if you do see issues in any of those ports, like please reach out to the port developers and and yeah. let them know because otherwise they'll never get fixed. Um. But yeah, yeah, I did contribute to MBF twenty one in kind of the like I don't I honestly I shouldn't have been credited in my opinion mm -hmm. um, because my role was um, basically just asking for things. That's kind of um, what I thought actually. I was like, I wonder yeah. if he contributed directly or if it was like, well, you know, because you've worked for so long with so many different ports, you probably had a lot of ideas in terms of like, well, it would be nice if a port had these features, kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like. I had worked with Zdoom and Eternity, so I knew you know decorate and EDF, and I knew like yeah. roughly what those ports could do. And I and I'm like, you know, if these things are cross port standards, these particular dehacked code pointers uh, existed, um, it would really increase flexibility for like what you can actually do in in a cross port compatible Doom wad, which has been like limited um, yeah. to the MBF standard since like whenever MBF was in active development, like 1999 or whatever. So, um, yeah, like, I, I, I don't think I deserve much credit for it. I just asked for things. I okay. threw out ideas for, you know, tons and tons of ideas. Um, but, you know, uh, oh, you know what? I, I got to shout out Odomex. Odomex is full MBF 21 support as well. I, uh, I don't think I've ever used it, but... Okay, yeah. Uh just for the for the listeners. Um <laughs> yeah. But um yeah. Uh I, I lost my train of thought. Oh, I was just gonna say, uh, you know, Craft Lab and um Zazer and Altazimuth and Alex Max and you know, all the more programming types. Mtrope did all the tooling for it, so like if you wanna do um MBF twenty one D hacked like Deco hack is awesome and oh, fully supports it. Yeah. Well, I'll talk about that in a uh, second, actually. <laughs> okay. Um, um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's kind of that's that's kind of I think enough MBF twenty one. That's kind of all I did. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess because <laughs> I feel like your mapping career has almost felt like you trying to find the right port with the right amount of limitations <laughs> for <laughs> such a long time. Do you think uh, like MBF twenty one is looking like? It might be something you want to work with in those two. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Like, I'm definitely going to make something for it at some point. Yeah, so, okay. Unless, unless, and I'm crossing my fingers here, what I really want to see, I don't know if it's going to happen, but I really want to see is, like, an ongoing MBF version update, like MBF 22, MBF 23, you know, etc., mm -hmm. etc. Et but we keep adding things that we can agree on um, would be useful for this cross port standard and um yeah like like i i, I don't like 
how long uh, standards were stagnant with MBF. Like, it's it was so cool to see a cross-port standard really expand uh, what you can do with modding in. Um, yeah, and well, in, MBF yeah, the original and what was it? Comp level eleven? Is that what it was? Um, right. Yeah. It's it was always cool, but it had. I think the infighting was the in fundamental was the flaw, one. yeah, that, that made... Because mm -hmm. there were a lot of things which MBF21 fixes that I... Because even back when I made Entropy, I wanted to do stuff like music changes and, and things like that, and mm. uh, MBF already fixed that. It fixed the music change problem, and I believe it fixed um, pushes and pullers uh, not working correctly, okay. and friction and stuff like that. It did all that, but I couldn't use the port because... Um, or I couldn't use the comp level because uh, the infighting, specifically with Cyberdemons, is horrific in comp level 11. Yeah. They will just yeah. retarget the player consistently over and over again. Yeah, um, it feels really bad when one of them just snipes you uh, after you set up a nice infight with some barons or something. But... Yeah. Uh, but MBF21, uh, me and Mega, we talk about this a little bit, but um, we're actually working on an MBF21 project right now. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. and it's fantastic like it's so good to work with um i've come up with some like incredibly kind of cruel encounters already involving some of the like because you can do some wacky stuff with it like you've got insta kill flaws and things which can kill the player and monsters and uh, mm. pushes and pillars function properly again which is great um we have some particularly weird stuff that we're working on with that uh <laughs> do you already have some ideas that you want to work with with the port um yeah yeah i got some stuff uh i hesitate to say too much <laughs> well yeah you don't have to go into details but i was wondering but, if you were already kind of producing things specific to you, mbf21 now oh yeah yeah i have um i have a I, basically a project that's been under like fall dart mode for like a year now mm -hmm. um with mbf21 i've done tons and tons and tons of dehacked for it and oh, i have great. lots of cool things working um and i just gotta like get get my ass in gear like actually start building maps <laughs> like it's something i'm super yeah. excited about though so yeah well the deco hack thing that you mentioned earlier is one of the greatest features i think it's it's not technically part of mbf21 is that it's sort of like just a little add-on like plug-in right kind of thing. It it's it, it's tooling for all dehacked and that just includes yeah. mbf21 um but yeah, it, it makes working with dehacked like way more manageable. Oh, like God. Yeah. Me and Mega have been <laughs> I think we were sort of among the first people to be testing it, or mostly Mega, because he has a bit more of a background with it. Uh but Okay. Because I think he actually wrote his own little tool up to make it like even easier. I don't know if that'll end up being like part of the final thing. But um basically like you can just put stuff in in decorate format, which is a lot easier to like it's a lot more like plain English, really. Um, right, right. And it'll convert it into dehack, right? So. Exactly. That's exactly what DecoHack does. Yeah, it, it yeah. makes it so you can um, essentially makes it so you can maintain um, dehacked as if it was a code base. So you can um, make changes to it without, because essentially dehacked is just like uh, a list of states for monsters and items yeah. and like. The, how they're linked together. So state 30 goes to state 31, goes to state 32. Dehack or deco hack 
and the decorate syntax hides all those numbers from you. So if you make changes, it doesn't negatively affect other things that you don't expect mm -hmm. um, by abstracting all those numbers away from the user. And that's like where its power is. Um, it makes it super maintainable and um, super uh, like super easy to read, as you said. So um, like I, I love it. I will probably never go back to doing dehacked any other <laughs> yeah. way. Well, I mean, Wackhead is generally what I've used to mm. to edit dehacked, and it is it's an old program. I'll say that much, <laughs> and it yeah. has some pretty fatal crashes and things as well. So for me, something like that, because I had actually like I've done nothing that I've really released, but uh, I've done UDMF work in the past and worked with Decorate, and I always loved it. Uh, one of the things mm -hmm. I really liked about working with that that format, um, so because one of the other things that mbf21 does is allows you to add additional like a lot more states than you can uh right. with standard dehacked so it means you can add like you know essentially like an, uh, a huge amount more like custom monsters or custom you know trees scenery items things like that uh and being able to do that in combination with deco hacked has been uh a much more enjoyable experience, I'll say, than if we had to use Wackhead or something. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, not to take anything away from Wacked, like I, I used it a lot, but um, it, 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 it served its purpose. But um, yeah, Deco Hack is the future. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Yeah. So, uh, so coming to the final question that I ask everybody, which. I think with you might actually be an interesting one. Um, <laughs> what is your favorite monster in Doom and why? And is it a you monster know, in Doom or is it one of the custom monsters that you create? Or, or is, it, is it the Suicide Bomber? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, if that was an option, <laughs> I hadn't even considered that. <laughs> you can add an addendum. Uh, I'll allow it. Uh, okay, well... And in brackets. It, well, in brackets. Um, the suicide bomber but right. i guess my 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 formal answer i was actually disappointed listening to um to benjogami because he said the archfile right uh -huh. and i was like well that's that's the obvious choice like that's probably the thing i would say if i was the first one on the show yeah and then i was like well what would i think of next clearly the imp and then <laughs> scotty comes on and he's like oh it's yeah. the imp that's my favorite monster. I'm like, what the hell? Well, yeah. I, I, I was sure I was going to be the imp guy. I was really surprised uh, <laughs> that it was indeed the imp for Scotty. Uh, Tourniquet's uh, answer is pretty good, actually. Uh, people will be interested okay. when they hear that one. But that, that'll that so, be in a couple of weeks. But yeah, don't spoil. Don't spoil I won't, I won't. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm going to go, I, I, again, for the sake of variety, and because a little bit of nostalgia, mm -hmm. I'm going to go with the Mancubus. Oh, that's um, a good one. When I was a kid, uh, the Mancubus was my favorite monster. So I thought he was just the coolest one aesthetically. I just, I loved trying to figure out what he said when he shot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah when I, he dives I, to I, that noise. Yeah, I always thought like what he says when he fires his flamethrowers is uh, "You're mine," but I don't know if that's right. Um, I think that's still what I hear. I've heard. Uh, was it Sandy? I heard somebody say apparently it's just pig noises. Oh, so it's not even English. I don't think so. Oh. I think it's a bunch of pig <laughs> noises. Yeah. Put well, yeah, it, 
it, that's that's actually kind of disappointing. Does this ruin? Is, do you want to retract? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, no, no, I'm still going with the Mancubus. Um, the other thing, like, and then just mechanically, um, beyond just the the nostalgia for him being my favorite monster when I was a kid, um, just mechanically, he's he's versatile. He's like one of the best monsters to use as a sniper um, because he's super threatening, even as a sniper, um, because mm-hmm. his attacks are so unpredictable. Uh, another thing he's great as an infighter because he does so much damage, mm-hmm. um, and he can, you know, he can take hits from just about anybody without dying. And third, he's one of my favorite monsters to use as like, like a do not go here sign, um, yeah. because he has he's fat and he has a lot of health. <laughs> so when you see one, you're like, you know, maybe I should turn around and look for something bigger than my pea shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's just a great he's just a great signpost to tell the player what to do on top of everything else. So yeah, well, so, so that's my reasoning. <laughs> it's good. I like it. And uh, the Mancubus probably isn't my favorite monster, but I do get a great deal of satisfaction of putting them in places where they're revealed from the environment, like a lowering wall with a mank. There's something very satisfying about fitting one into a space conveniently. Yeah, I'm not sure what yeah, it is. And the- Watching them just kind of like waddle out, it's pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, there's something there's something nice to me aesthetically pleasing about a mancubus like rising out of like a pool of blood or nukage mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, so aesthetically pleasing bonus. and mancubus in the same sentence. Who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, well, you know. I, the other thing is that whenever I take a break from Doom and I come back, they're the thing that always hits me the most by far because of the the weird pattern of their, oh, yeah. their fireballs. Yeah, you have to watch them. Like you can't like turn your back on them because they'll hit you. They'll, they'll eat you alive if you you don't see them coming. So it's true. Um. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that brings us to the end. Uh, thank you so much for being on. It was great. A lot of really interesting insights. I think. Um. Obviously, yeah, very good for- questions from me uh, that helped. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. This was uh, a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, yeah, maybe we'll do it again. Yeah, and I keep saying, uh, you know, the three hundredth episode when after my right. audible ad, and then skills will come again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Sawdust Two coming to a theater near you, obviously. Uh, <laughs> it's gonna be gonna be a new release, I'm sure. GZ Doom only. Yeah, yeah. No, you gotta pick a new port. Doomsday. <laughs> oh, okay. It's time okay. to go back. 3D monsters and Doomsday. That'll be the one. Yeah, I hear those 3D Mancubus are pretty nice. Oh yeah, perfect. Well, we'll <laughs> see you then when that happens. So yeah, thanks again, Skillsore, and and I'll catch you around. Yep. See you later. <laughs>